MSW Media. Hello. Hi, AJ. How are you? Hey, Andrew Torres. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm well. Uh, Today is an interesting news day. Um, it's a good day to have a front row seat to the Republican Civil War, right? Mm. <laughs> there are so many defections happening right now. Some big names. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. I also want to talk about that interesting Department of Justice and FBI press conference that we saw um, and how that's going to impact investigations in the Biden Department of Justice going forward. And then, of course, I want to ask you a little bit later about the civil lawsuits that that I, apparently somebody close to Trump told him that uh, pardoning himself opens him up to civil lawsuits because it's a quote unquote admission of guilt. <laughs> Um, which he got very upset about and said, fine, no pardons for anyone then, fine. Um, so those are a couple of things I want to talk to uh, talk to you about because earlier today I interviewed Ellie Honig for uh, the Daily Beans tomorrow. And he, he says, eh, it's not really an admission of guilt. Um, that was bad legal advice, but it's still hilarious nonetheless. Um, so we'll, we'll dive into that. Um, <clears throat> if any of you have any questions, just click that little question bubble with the play arrow in it below and record a little question. We'll get to as many as we can. Uh, my name is AG. That stands for Allison Gill. I am the uh, former host of Muller She Wrote and the host of the Daily Beans Pod. And, and uh, I am uh, Andrew Torres. I co-host uh, the Opening Arguments podcast and, you know, uh, go on Allison's shows whenever she'll let me. Uh, so I'm super happy to be doing this Q&A here. And, and, uh, and we are actually launching our own collaborative project. It's going to be called Clean Up on Aisle 45. Could not pick a better day <laughs> to, mm. to promote a show about holding uh, the the people who have made the last four years possible accountable than, um, than a day in which it, it really feels like the tide is turning, that, uh, you know, mm. everybody else seems to want that too. Yeah, and it's super sad that it took an insurrection to get yeah, Republicans I mean, you know. <laughs> to, to be on the right side of history. You and I have been screaming about this maniacal windbag for four or five years now. And uh, I, let's let's kick off the discussion with what you had just mentioned, the <clears throat> the upcoming project we're working on cleanup on aisle 45. We're going to be going over Biden's Justice Department and intelligence community and, and how they rebuild and work independently um, under, you know, the 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 leadership of Merrick Garland, who has been nominated as attorney general, being taken out of the. Um, a federal D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is the chief justice there now, knowing that we have the Senate votes to fill that seat, that judgeship. I think uh, uh, Biden was waiting for that, even though he said he wasn't going to. But the the let's see, who was it? The acting D.C. U.S. attorney, Michael Sherwin, came out today in a press conference who he was joined by the deputy director of the FBI's Washington field office. I guess those are the top guys they could get today. Um, I don't understand why the actual acting attorney general wasn't there today, who who we know as Jeffrey Rosen, uh, since Bill Barr has resigned. Nor do I, I do I can I explain why Christopher Ray wasn't there, the director of the FBI. So anyway, these two gentlemen came out and wanted us to know first off that this investigation is 
massive. It is nationwide. It is broad. They describe the scope. They, he, they say that they expect there to be hundreds of, of indictments mm -hmm. and convictions and that it's not going to take days or weeks, but months and months. And so that is what we will be covering on our podcast that, that debuts Clean Up on Aisle 45 on January 20th, on Inauguration Day. It's going to be a weekly thing. We're going to be covering this all for you as it unfolds. But today was very interesting with the absence of the FBI director and the absence of the acting attorney general, don't you think? <laughs> I, I do. I, I will tell you, um, I have multiple folks uh, that I know at that that are that are in various positions at the Department of Justice. I don't want to uh, compromise any of my sources. I will tell you two separate people within 10 minutes of each other uh, on January 6th uh, messaged me and said, uh, you have no idea, you know, what the environment here is for finding out who is behind this and prosecuting every last one of them. The, the, the best way I had it put was um, folks are asking how they can be deputized as mm -hmm. AUSAs in, in the District of Columbia so that they can prosecute those cases. Now, again, that's a joke, right? Like mm -hmm. there's, there are enough resources, there are enough AUSAs within DC to handle all of these cases. But um, it, it's, it's a strong reminder that you know, the, the DOJ, you can put a Bill Barr in charge. You know, you can put your flunkies in positions to manipulate. Um, and, and, and Trump was super successful at that, for, uh, far more so than I expected, uh, particularly in the last two years of his administration. Uh, but by and large, regardless of partisanship from the top down, most of what makes our executive branch agencies work are good, hardworking civil servants. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's going to be a theme uh, of the next four years of, of our show, uh, you know, is, as we try and rebuild these institutions, realizing that there are real people there that have been put, you know, in a rock and a hard place over the last four years and are excited to do what they can now. Yes, they have been stuck between a dildo shop and a crematorium for so yeah. long. <laughs> that should that should take place. That should be the new slogan. Mm -hmm. Although somebody said, uh, although somebody said, instead of a a dildo shop and a crematorium, you should say stuck between a cock and a charred place. And I thought that was funny. It's uh, uh, not bad. <laughs> now, uh, I, I wanted to ask you a couple things. First of all, these uh, two guys that came up today and gave a press conference wanted to make sure that we knew uh, that they, there were a couple of misconceptions out there. The first one being that a lot of people seem to be upset that they were only being charged with trespassing or a violent entry and they weren't being charged with sedition and conspiracy and, and these heavier crimes. And they explained, this is how we roll. We, we get easy, easy, open and shut uh, charging documents, not indictments, but charging documents to arrest them, bring them into custody. And then we continue the investigation in front of a grand jury. And they said, most likely more severe charges that aren't misdemeanors, we're, we're talking about felonies, will be brought at a later date. We do this so that we can get them in custody, et cetera, first. Is that your kind of experience with how this sort of stuff works, Andrew? Um, so let, let me say yes with the caveat that uh, although I'm a practicing attorney, I am a practicing civil lawyer, right? So I mm -hmm. uh, have had limited experience as 
you know, a, a junior associate uh, and as a very, very young partner when I when I worked for big firms, when I wasn't out on my own uh, in helping out with uh, uh, federal uh, white collar criminal defense cases. Um, that's my other uh, sort of background. But um, that being said, right, I, I, I'm very familiar with this process. And and that is exactly right. Right. Like one of the things that uh, is going to make everything involving the top line offenses um, a, a challenge from a legal perspective um, is that most of those offenses, sedition, for example, right, have um, as a requirement a specific intent, right? And this is something you covered incredibly well uh, on Mueller, she wrote, right, as, as basically the reason that Robert Mueller gave uh, in volume one for not uh, uh, charging uh, Donald Trump Jr. with election fraud was because election fraud also has a specific intent. And and essentially reading between the lines, area giggling was kind of, well, you know, and Donald Trump, we think it would like, he's so stupid, it would be a challenge. Too, yeah, too dumb, too dumb to crime. Um, yeah, to we, to, to we prove that it. he knew what he was doing. That's right. And so look, um, the, the way in which you prove intent is by um, a, a massive amount of circumstantial evidence, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It, 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 you you show, right? What was what were these person's communications? What was their behavior beforehand? All of those things. And as you pointed out, that takes time. Uh, that's harder to prove. That's easier for a grand jury to say, oh, okay, well, like, we don't think you've made a prima facie case of that. Uh, and, you know, and sort of return back a no indictment. So this, this right. to me, all, all of that is a way of saying this to me smacks of, right, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. It, it would, it, 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 you don't come out and give a press conference and say, we've already and we plan on there being hundreds and it's going to take months uh, and it's going to take time unless you are committed to, to doing it right. Right. And we saw this with Manafort, too. We know from Andrew Weissman's book where the law ends behind the Mueller investigation, inside the Mueller investigation, he was in charge of Team M, which was Team Manafort, and said that they did actually have enough to charge him with conspiracy uh, against the United States but did not because the tax fraud stuff was more open and shut, easy, more easily provable. They didn't have to pr- go to intent. So that's... And, and, and you saw what happened with Manafort, right? Which is always an option here, regardless of where you are in the process, uh, the DOJ can bring a superseding indictment, right? And that just means mm-hmm. that sits on top of the previous indictment. Oh, in the course of prosecuting you for X, we realize you also did Y. And, mm-hmm. you know, guess what? Like, we're... We're not bound by like uh, the first thing that we said. We can always come back and amend. Um, so yes, and something all, all else of those saw, options are out there. And something else we saw happen with Manafort was that he got pardoned. And everyone needs to keep in mind that Trump oh. can pardon these insurrectionists. Uh, yeah. you, can, and, you, can, you can do a blanket pardon without naming individual names. They did it in Vietnam. Uh, during Vietnam to, to, to pardon all of the defectors or the you know, people who dodged the draft. Um, you can do it without crimes being charged or committed, or not committed, but charged or indicted or convicted. You can, he can do that. Um, but we're seeing he, a lot of Republican defectors. Yeah, it, it, he can do that. Um, and and I, I thought three days ago, I thought that would be 
you know, Donald Trump's final, you know, middle fingers in the air as he walked out the door, uh, okay. you know, on, on January 20th. Today, I'm not so sure, right? <laughs> Today, all of a sudden, right? everything, all of the norms that have been gone for the last four years, right? All of the efforts that we typically used for my entire adult life to rein in members of either political party, right? Like the chief weapon there is shame, right? Mm -hmm. Do, do mm -hmm. you want to be the first person who did X? Um, yeah. And and for a really long time, like Donald Trump himself is impervious to shame. Um, <laughs> For the past four years, the Republican Party has been impervious to shame, right? The, I mean, you just needed to, to watch uh, their defense of ramming through Amy Coney Barrett in a week and a half on the Supreme Court. And the justification in front of a national audience uh, from the same crew that orchestrated screwing over Merrick Garland was, right, right, right. But see, we have the presidency now, so mm -hmm. we can, so <clears throat> fuck you. Yeah, um, elections and, have and, consequences. So, yep. yeah, and, 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 and ha ha ha, Merrick Garland's now in charge of the uh, Department yeah. of Justice. <laughs> um, I, I mean, do you read something into that? Uh, you know, I might. <laughs> um, this is a Q&A, so how about we go to our first question? Yeah, let's take some cues. All right. Hey, just wanted to say hi, and uh, I signed up for the Patreon just today. Um, my question is, what do we do if the worst happens and the inauguration is disrupted and it turns out that you know the institutions of government uh, do get broken down what are our next steps uh, in a worst case scenario thanks andrew you want to take you this want... one uh, sure if something if if bad things happen on like, yeah, let's Wednesday. say an attack is let's say an attack is successful on inauguration. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 if that happens, it it will be a a a, a tragedy, um, and uh, it it may supplant, uh, you know what 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 is if you can imagine it. Uh, just six days ago, right, the the first uh, insurrection on American soil in two hundred years. Um, but it will not fundamentally change the structure of of our government any more so than the fact that you know these yahoos managed to storm the capitol and and you know and, and take the counterfactual that like suppose they'd been able to get their hands on you know the little like uh, official copies of the electoral votes with the little golden seal on it none of that would have prevented right joe biden from becoming president um it, this is not, you know, national treasure, right? Like this, our government does not work by, you have to put the original copy of the thing with the gold star under the right flag on the full moon after it, it, it yeah. doesn't work that way, right? If, if Joe Biden cannot be sworn in uh, on the ellipse on, on January 20th, um, then he will go into a private underground bunker with, Chief Justice John Roberts or, you know, whoever is his choosing and be sworn in in private. Right. We have had public officials, not presidents, but we've had public officials uh, sworn in in that capacity before. Um, if, uh, you know, God forbid yeah, something happens remember... to Joe Biden. Right. We have very clear lines of succession with the 25th Amendment. Like it's. it's going to be fine. Oh, and also, I also want to tell you, thank you so much for supporting the show. Um, and, and, 
but I want to bring you, I want to, I want to, I want to keep you at a nice high. I feel like we've lost Torres. I don't know if y'all can hear me or if you're hearing Torres, but. Andrew, are you there? Well, um, I am waiting to connect back with Andrew Torres. If you all can still hear me, I'm gonna go on to the next question. What's up guys, Roger the Turnip here calling from San Diego. The House is almost certain to impeach Trump and it's been widely reported today that McConnell is considering whether he will vote to convict in a subsequent trial. Assuming that he does, and assuming that enough Senate Republicans also vote to convict, or considering a scenario where Trump resigns to avoid being convicted, is it possible that we might be in a scenario where Pence assumes the presidency for just a day or two prior to Biden being sworn in? All right, latest potatoes. <laughs> yes. Hey, gee, uh, where, are we back? Excellent, good. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know what, is your Wi-Fi, how many devices do you have hooked up right now? Because you're kind of, you were cutting in and out and then you disappeared. So I don't know uh, if you want to well, check on that. But I show, uh, the, I show excellent strength, but I apologize for. <laughs> a lot of people show excellent strength and then come. Mm -hmm. come so. uh, I'm basically the, that shirtless the, Putin on a horse right now, so. <laughs> The answer to that question, I believe, is that if he is removed, if uh, McConnell gets the votes in the Senate and McConnell is very angry at Trump right now, it's come out in The New York Times that he hates Trump for what he has done, um, seemingly giving the green light for other Senate Republicans to defect. And we'll talk about that in a bit, too, because the number three ranking Republican in the House of Representatives, Liz Cheney, super conservative, has come out with a scathing uh, rebuke of, of Trump and blames him for what happened on January 6th in no uncertain terms. She is for impeachment. And there are, you know, there are said to be 10 to 20 more Republicans willing to sign on. This looks like the official split in the Republican Party. And we'll see how it impacts them in 2022 as these days go on. Um, but yeah, if he is removed before January 20th at noon, Pence takes over the presidency, is my understanding, and would be the 46th president of the United States. So all of your 46 Joe Biden merch would be uh, a little wrong. Collectors, collectors, collectors items. It will be yes, like yes, misprints, right? Yeah. If you happen to own those, you know, World Series champ, uh, champion Tampa Bay Rays shirts, right? Uh, that, that's uh, did enjoy them. Um, yeah, no, that that's 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 a hundred percent correct. That's what the mechanism is. I I don't think, uh, based on the Senate timetable, um, that we will actually get Trump removed before the inauguration, given the number of pro forma sessions versus um, actual meeting sessions uh, before the nineteenth. Uh, but um, but but you are a hundred percent correct in sort of reading the tea leaves, which I look at it as right the most opportunistic, the smartest opportunistic mm. Republicans are looking at the field and they see a 2024 in which uh, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley uh, are going to idiotically lose to either Ivanka Trump or Donald Trump Jr. or whoever for the Trump vote. But like that wing of the party is sort of sewn up. And when you think about who's a public national figure that's sort of been 
anti-Trump. I mean, you know, you've got Mitt Romney um, for, mm -hmm. and Republican Party tend to, you know, uh, they, they tend to eat their own when it comes to, to, to past losers. Um, and, uh, and you have Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, and that's it. And so yeah. um, I'm, not I'm not surprised to see uh, a Liz Cheney kind of, you know, staking out uh, her moment to, uh, uh, you know, maybe make a name for herself. Um, she's, she, she's kept a low profile, relatively speaking, uh, mm. through the Trump years. Um, there's not a lot, you know, I, right? Like Mitch McConnell is never going to get the stink of Trump off of him, right? Lindsey mm -hmm. Graham is, uh, you know, is still uh, inserted into Trump's anal cavity at the moment, right? Like those those folks are not getting out of this, but um, but but we're going to see a mad scramble for for many of them to try. Yeah, and I think it's more likely that if the Senate does impeach and they need 17 Republicans to do so, not impeach, but convict and remove, if they do yep. that, it will be after Joe Biden takes office, yes. um, which is legal and can be done. You, we, I laughed Matt Gates off the planet when he said, let's impeach Obama a couple years ago, a year, a year ago during impeachment. And I said, you dumbass, you can't impeach a former president. You can. Um, so you should uh, still laugh we, at Matt Gates, though. But I will. And, and, and if I can say eight seconds on that, there's a there's a thing going around that's like we should impeach because, you know, you can deprive Donald Trump of his travel budget and his pension and his social security, his uh, Secret Service protection and all of that. And like that to me, that misses the point. The point of impeaching and convicting and removing and a lot Donald of that Trump. Is also, also not. True. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, we. I figure we don't have enough time to sort of delve down into that. But like, no. if you've been sharing that, like, it, it's the point of impeachment is not to hurt Trump, right? As as if taking away a you know a million dollar travel allowance from you know somebody who's lived on borrowed millions his entire life make, makes a difference. The the point is to stand up for the rule of law. And 100%. I, uh, uh, yeah. So, all right. Next question. Yeah. Do you want to hit it? Hey, guys. Uh, this is Alex. I'm currently in Vietnam. And I just wanted to ask uh, what do you think is the Biden administration going to be able to do with uh, Dreamers? Are they going to be able to do anything now that they have the Senate control? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I take this one. Yeah. Um, it is part of the first 100-day plan for him, uh, for Biden, to re reverse the executive order to stop DACA uh, by Trump. Uh, federal judges have already made those injunctions, and the Supreme Court made a decision, I believe, a month or so. Time is hard for me right now. A while a, a <laughs> bit ago, um, that DACA stands. Uh, and so they were forced to begin taking applications again for the deferred um deferred program there and uh, but biden has promised in the first 100 days to extend it and uh it, but as far as the senate goes and that's a really good question and by the way vietnam thank you for calling from there it's an absolutely beautiful country but i just want to say the way that it works in our senate right now is that because of procedure um and the filibuster you need 60 votes to pass legislation and unless uh, the, the Democrats go nuclear, it's called, and change the rules to only require a simple majority to pass legislation. We probably aren't going to see a lot of those kind of more progressive, uh, of course, I don't think they're more progressive. I think they're the right thing to do. But as the Republicans would view it, 
um, you know, more divisive and progressive views, any of those legislation, any of that legislation, like comprehensive immigration reform, making it through. Um, Unless, again, unless the Democrats decide to go nuclear, um, like Harry Reid did with approving judges, that's why we only need 51 votes in the Senate to confirm judges. It used to be 60, um, but they went nuclear on that. And now a lot of people are <laughs> cursing Harry Reid for that because we, because Trump and Mitch McConnell were able to pack the courts so thoroughly in the last four years, which was likely their goal uh, from beginning to end. <clears throat> so that is my answer to that question. You have anything to add, Andy? I, that, no, I think, you, I think you handled that beautifully. I think it, it's important to... Uh, you know, to sort of differentiate between what could be done via executive uh, executive order uh, versus what requires legislation. The the one spin I would put on that is that the Congressional Review Act, the nineteen ninety eight piece of legislation uh, rammed through by Newt Gingrich, um, allows you to bypass the filibuster and allows uh, by a simple majority vote. Uh, in the Senate and then a majority vote in the House um, to pass legislation uh, that instantly cancels um, any executive agency determinations that were made within 60 or 90 days. And again, because of the way the calendar works, it winds up going back, you know, six to seven months um, without (laughs) without having to go through the the fact finding process. Right. So that's super duper important. It's important. Uh, it, it, it absolutely has ramifications on DACA. It, it has uh, ramifications in INS. It has ramifications for the late-breaking rules promulgated by the Department of Education uh, regarding Title IX and uh, and trans people. It, it's it it really is. I mean, you know, winning back the Senate uh, has so many right. The the, the, mm-hmm. the negative side mm-hmm. is what you talked about, right? Which is yes. I, I do not think we're going to get Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema to vote to blow up the filibuster. So it's still going to take uh, 60 votes to pass legislation, um, but uh, it's not going to take. It's only, it's only going to take 51 votes uh, to uh, to erase uh, previous ex- executive actions instantly, rather than having to go through the fact finding process. We get to set our right. calendar, all that good stuff. So anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going a little far afield, but I I wanted to say like I I think there's that there's some cause for optimism even though the Senate is so narrowly in the balance. Yes, and there's also the thing to consider that anything Trump did with executive order, but with the swish of a pen, can be undone by executive order with the swish of a pen. Of course, it could end yep. up in court that way. Um, and we have a six-three court right now in the Supreme Court, but it you know it's hey, we're in uh, odd times as it were. Um, let's go to the next question. How about it? Absolutely. So first, I have a disability, which affects my speech. Sorry if I sound super fucking drunk, but I promise you I'm not. Uh, anyway. Hi, I'm Alex. Um, you probably know me. I'm active in the communities. I ask questions on the opening arguments Q&A that Andrew, you seem to like as I question about the Congress changing the rules for SCOTUS and stuff. Um, AG, on your side, uh, <laughs> you've been to my Animal Crossing Island. Uh, I guess that's about <laughs> it. Uh, so, yeah. Hi. Anyway, uh, my question for you is, what exactly is required to expel a member from Congress? Because I know the president isn't necessary, 
But if all it is is just getting people to vote on something, then it doesn't really. Yep. Uh, Alex, thank you for that question. And first of all, uh, I'm very excited that my uh, Andrew's credentials land in answering legal questions. Mine land on Animal Crossing. Thank you. <laughs> um, but uh, my understanding, Andrew, is you need two thirds vote in the chamber. Yeah. So, so here's the thing, right? This is explicitly set forth in the Constitution. It's Article One, Section Five, um, and it, and it requires a two-thirds vote, uh, but it only requires a two-thirds vote of that chamber, right? Because it is mm-hmm. considered an inter rule of the House or an internal rule of the Senate. And I should add. Um, that idea of expelling a Ted Cruz or a Josh Hawley, um, again, I'm feeling a lot more comfortable about it today yeah. than I did three two days weeks ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we- I was like, no way. No. I have a question for you. Is it two thirds yeah. of whoever's present? So, <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, we, we don't know. Uh, because the Constitution doesn't say, and it's only happened, I think, 15 times in the history of the country. So I, I would say, right, I would I would uh, tend to think that it is not just two-thirds of those present, but actually two-thirds of the entire membership. I expect the entire membership, you know, maybe minus one person, would, would wind up being present for any kind of vote. And, and, and I want to add that, like, this process is not, this is not like, um, you know, when we talked about uh, a year ago, uh, reviving the House Sergeant at Arms to go serve subpoenas, right? Like, this Mm. is a process that has been continuously, if rarely, invoked over our nation's history, and in fact, Mm. was last trotted out in 2018 by Republicans. I don't know if you remember this, but um, the, the threat was, if Alabama sends Roy Moore to the Senate, uh, then the Senate would vote immediately to expel Roy Moore from its membership. uh, And then that would leave the Republican governor of Alabama free to appoint somebody uh, to uh, as a as an interim senator. Um, Yep. So we have precedent for this. This isn't like um, some of the things that we're facing now with insurrection or or pardon power, you know, what would we do when he pardons himself? You know, we don't have 15 yep. instances of that in our history. Uh, so <laughs> this is this is established stuff. And uh, yeah, two thirds vote of that chamber. And that's how it works. And, and, and that overlaps, I should say, uh, we, we probably will get a question about uh, Section three of the 14th Amendment. Um, but 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 that's entirely so the 14th Amendment Section three says that no person who having sworn an oath to the United States and then having uh, participated in uh, or given aid and comfort to an insurrection, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, shall be eligible to then be seated again uh, in either uh, the, the House or the Senate. Obviously, you're, you know what? Your paraphrasing is fancier than mine. I say if you fucking <laughs> attack the government, you don't get to be in the fucking government. That's like the way. Right. The way I uh, paraphrase that. That makes sense, yeah. But so, right, post-Civil War um, uh, constitutional amendment, and specifically, right, like there are law review articles that are crystal clear on this, looking back at the legislative history, this was uh, the, uh, the Reconstructionist Congress saying, oh, great, as we admit, 
Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina back into the Union, they are sending us Confederate officers uh, and, and, and former high-ranking officials in the Confederacy to come into the Senate to undo the work mm -hmm. that we're trying to do to rebuild the country. So you know what? We're going to add to the 14th Amendment. Everybody knows Clause 1, right? That That's the Equal Protection Clause. Uh, but we're going to add in this uh, third paragraph a provision that says, yeah, it's grounds for the Senate to turn around and refuse to seat you if you took up arms against the country that you want to now go serve in that government. Um, yep, and, so the, like, and the House, too. I love your and, <laughs> Yeah, And, and, and Rep. Bill Pascrell actually put forth a thing that he said, hey, we shouldn't seat these people. Pelosi, we should not seat these people. And, um, you know, she's she's Pelosi. So she's like, let me just see if I can impeach him, everybody, and just chill. And so she's doing her, her job over there. And, and uh, you know, people are complaining that it's not fast enough. It's actually pretty fucking fast uh, for the government. So uh, I, if you want to know how fast things are moving, when we did this show last week, we had not yet gotten the results in the Georgia from runoff. Georgia. Mm -hmm. I did, yeah, so just think about like how different a universe it is in seven days. So uh, yeah, I don't think anybody the can complain we're going too slowly. First impeachment took weeks, weeks and weeks. This one took less than a week. Uh, well, they're going to vote tomorrow, so a week. Um, and of course, you don't count weekends, and then they only work from 10 to 2. No, you know, it's, it's a very difficult situation over there in the House. But I think it's moving uh, super expeditiously, you know. Um, but, you know, we're in, uh, these, are, these are different circumstances that we've, than we've ever faced before. So uh, let's go on to the next question. Hey, guys. Uh, it's Amy from New Jersey. Andrew, thank you for that homework. It was fascinating and horrifying. And oh my God, these people need to go to prison because they're awful. Um, speaking of going to prison, do you think it's possible that we're going to see the FBI round up a whole bunch of homegrown terrorists? Or are the awful, evil white dudes going to get away with sedition? Uh, Amy, that question boils down to whether or not Trump pardons them. And then after that, it boils down to whether or not they bring charges anyway and challenge the pardon in court. Uh, we already have 50 some arrests in that um, in that uh, presser we saw today where the attorney general was not there and the FBI director was not there. They said that this will be hundreds and hundreds of arrests and, and, and likely convictions. I mean, the evidence is it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and proving intent, although very difficult, is not going to be hard to do thanks to the bravery of one hacker who was able to scrape 80 terabytes of data off of Parler due to their slap, you know, their fucking <laughs> shitty coding. Uh, all of the geolocation was turned on, the metadata, everything was raw. They have the location and, and uh, private messages. And now the insurrectionists are moving to uh, secured encrypted apps, which means we'll have access to that too. I don't know if anyone's been reading <laughs> these court briefings and indictments brought by the Mueller uh, team, but everything they got was from WhatsApp and Signal and all this other shit. So uh, it, it would it would behoove these insurrectionists to have listened to Mueller, she wrote, uh, so that they would have known. 
not we even did a joke commercial like a fake ad like are you tired of getting all your shit co-opted by the fbi on whatsapp and signal well try morse code and you know we just went <laughs> off on the you know I, on this thing but honestly um again it's going to have to do with whether trump pardons these folks and if those pardons hold up in court that's i think what it's going to boil down to otherwise there are going to be hundreds of convictions and, and let me jump in and offer where I want everyone to pivot if Trump issues a blanket pardon, right? Which, again, we said at the top of the hour, uh, he can do uh, to everybody who was involved in the insurrection, to any and all crimes then in existence um, as okay. of the, the, the time that the pardon is issued. Um, if that happens, that will expose an incredibly strange loophole, and it is this. Every other crime that we have been talking about with respect to Trump and his cronies, we differentiate, is this a federal crime or is this a state crime? And the reason for that mm -hmm. is, as you, as everybody listening, I know you know, AG, but the, the, the president has the right to pardon for offenses against the United States, that is federal offenses, but not for state offenses. Um, and so every time there is a federal crime, there's almost always some possibility uh, that you have also uh, committed a state crime. You know, th mm -hmm. there, there are, there's a fair number of exceptions. DC mm -hmm. winds up not falling into that category because of the corner case that DC is not a state, right? And so yep. according yep. to the Home Rule Act of 1968, all what would be state law crimes in DC are not subject to the pardon power of the mayor of the District of Columbia, as they should be, uh, but yep, are president only. all under the, 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 the presidential pardon power. So if that happens, there should be broad bipartisan support. I want you out there agitating, calling your senator, calling your representatives for, for hey, DC um, statehood. I, I don't care if it upsets your balance and we get two new Democratic senators, suck it up and deal with it, or else you are abetting criminal behavior by the President of the United States with no check. And um, Where are we going to put that 51st star on the flag? Where are we going to put that 51st star on the flag? You know, my, my graphic designer friends are concerned. Yeah, it. it I, I like the, the folks who wrote the article on that that wound up being a, a parody in which they used a 51 star flag throughout and were like, Oh, you didn't notice it because you can swap rows of seven and eight really, really easily. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> Maths. Uh, <laughs> but right, I'm for putting a about... gigantic star in the middle of the flag. Like, what the hell? I think so too. I like that. I like that idea. Although it kind of it has sort of it harkens to Texas and. Um, all right, let's go to our next question. Hey guys. I want to know what are the consequences for the Trump children after all of this, whether they get pardoned or not. Worse, obviously, if they don't get pardoned. But are they forever blacklisted from all society and all business dealings? Will this all trickle down to them and their lives and their livelihoods? Thanks. Thank you. Uh, yeah, first of all, uh, Donald Trump Jr. is under federal investigation for inciting insurrection. That was that came out tonight on CNN. Uh, breaking news right now, just so everyone knows, Pence is not supporting invoking the 25th Amendment. But uh, back to the Trump crotch goblins. Uh, here's <laughs> here's what happens. Right, they they are in a lot of trouble. Uh, 
not just federally, but also in the state of New York as executives of the Trump Organization. Uh, as we know from New York Times reporting, Ivanka Trump received nearly $800,000 in consulting fees for consulting for Trump Organization while working for the Trump Organization. That is called hiding income to avoid taxes. If that bears out as a charge, she will be charged in the state of New York, which cannot be pardoned. I'm I'm 100% sure, by the way, that Trump is going to pardon his kids federally, uh, which is the only yes. way he can pardon them. But they are in a lot of hot water uh, with because of their affiliation with the Trump Organization, and I don't think they're going to be able to escape the clutches of the New York State. Um, well, New York State Attorney General, she's civilly suing everybody, but the, specifically the Manhattan District Attorney. Uh, that's what I think personally. Now, as far as society, they've already been shunned. And, you know, New York elite are like, they're not coming to any of our fucking parties anymore. Um, <laughs> no one's going to buy Ivanka shoes anymore. And we've seen this, especially in the last few days. Deutsche Bank is, is, won't touch them with a 10-foot pole anymore. Neither will Signature Bank, which is like this piece of shit bank that was lending money to Trump for some reason. Uh, probably because I'm saying their name right now and that's free press for them. Uh, and also the PGA pulled its thing from the, you know, the Trump golf course. Uh, Bill oh. Belichick won't accept the Medal of Freedom. <laughs> Um, spot a uh, Shopify pulled Trump merch down off of their thing. They're banned on Pornhub, like they are pariahs right now, and they are not going to be able to wash the Trump name off. And the only Trump that's rising from the ashes from this is Mary Trump, our friend Mary Trump, and I think she will be remembered as a hero. Yeah, I I I agree with all of that. Um, I. Oh, looks like we lost Torres again. I think he lives in a basement, y'all. I think he's like down in a basement. You, I can I, hear you. Why can't you not, hear me? Because your connection is bad. Mine is good. Oh. I think he, I think that paneling is hampering your uh, Wi-Fi. It could it could be. Uh, well, I have now set up two two tin cans and a string. So uh, let's. let's well, Trump is banned from it. that as well. Trump is yeah. banned from that as yeah. well. Yeah. No, I, uh, but, that, I, that was the that was the condition on the side of the Campbells. So, but, uh, but no, anyway, I had nothing, you, you you answered that question so perfectly. I just decided I would take a nap in the middle. Oh, great! So you have nothing to add? No caveats? Nope. No, no Torres caveats? No, no. Oh, you're 100 That should right. be a that should be a segment on the new podcast. Caveats with Andrew Torres. <laughs> uh, all right, let's take our next question. Hi, this is Icy Zorro, or as Thomas has called me on his uh, Twitch stream, Ick Zorro. Uh, as it turns out, most of us are feeling pretty despondent. As encouraging as the recent elections have been, uh, is there any real way that Trump will be held accountable? I know you are Optimus Prime, but I'm feeling a little bit on the Negatron side. So uh, if you can possibly... Uh, between the two of you, explain to me how this man will actually be held accountable despite 46% of the country being crazy. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> you might be Optimus Prime. I am Optimus Rhyme. Okay. Ooh. And uh, what I would like to say is, oh, hell no, they won't get out on bail. All these motherfuckers are going to jail, right? 
and <laughs> I know you don't ag agree, but I think it's great because they're all going down in New York State. Uh, that <laughs> is my hustle and flow for you. This is kind of piggybacks on the last answer that I gave. He's not a he part of himself. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll challenge it in court. Maybe prosecutors won't. Maybe they will. That's what we're going to be following on our new podcast uh, with the, with Biden DOJ. But we have New York State, and Trump is in a lot of tax trouble and insurance fraud trouble, and there is really no backing out of that, especially once Mazars, which has been re-upped, by the way, in the House mm -hmm. of Representatives as an investigation, and when they ask for the materials this time, you know, they'll get them. Uh, and we're waiting for Supreme Court to rule on that, I believe. And uh, once they get all that stuff, and I, I think even when they don't get all that stuff, they have had Trump's New York state tax returns for a while now. Uh, but I think uh, I think that's just an extra layer of evidence that they could get from Mazars and his accounting firm because it would show the um, the source of a lot of money that isn't necessarily borne out in tax returns and that they wouldn't be able to get from interviewing him because he wouldn't talk. So I think I think you will see uh, unpardonable state crimes brought against this family. Yeah, um, and and if I can plug today's episode of opening arguments um I, I think it is crystal clear uh don't don't forget that january 2nd call with brad raffensperger um that, that mm -hmm. very clearly violated multiple georgia state election laws um yes that is a republican governor elected with trump support um kind of funny how uh what what two months of donald trump calling you the devil will do right so um, I'm, but we I'm, also have the uh, Fulton County DA who could bring charges. Yeah, uh, it, 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 here's, here's the, 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 the important part that I think you well clarified in the rap, uh, AJ, <laughs> and that is it, it does not matter what your public support is. And, and Trump's public support is no longer 46%, right? He's 33. He shed, yeah, he has shed at least 10%. Uh, of, uh, you know, look, I wish it were more. And as right? these but, Republicans but, defect, it's going to keep going down. Yep. And it, the, the easiest way to do that is ask anybody you know, right? Ask, you know, your, your parents, if you're in our generation, or if you're a little younger, ask your grandparents and say, hey, grandma, did you vote for Richard Nixon in 1972? Um, and 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 you will never get to them. No, I totally was going to vote for you know George McGovern. My grandmother never voted for a Democrat her entire life. And when I asked her that question, she was like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure I stayed at yeah. home that year." Like bullshit. Richard Nixon won like 59 percent <laughs> of the vote and 520 electoral votes. Right? It was. I think a it was landslide. A, isn't that the biggest biggest landslide in our. One of the biggest landslides uh, until, in our history. Until Reagan in 84, it was the biggest landslide in history. That's right. Yep, um, yep. And, and, and you can't find anybody of that generation willing to admit that they voted for Nixon when you know damn well that they did. Um, and, and, uh, and that's what's going to happen with Trump. And it's going to happen before our eyes. Um, part of our task on the show is uh, recognizing and building on that, but not letting people off the hook for being giant Trump enablers for four years and then, you know, pretending like, you know, they were always a secret fifth column the whole time. No, you weren't. Um, mm -hmm. you're, you're, mm -hmm. you, but but uh, I, I continue. That's my uh, pile on uh, optimism. But uh, I should have just let you wrap us out with that. So. Yeah, no, and I, I took a pretty, pretty hefty pause in between those two verses. So that's my bad. I'm out of practice, though. I haven't 
I haven't done any rap battles in a while. Um, all right. Throwdowns uh, with AG. That'll, we'll, put it, we'll put that in at a Patreon perk level. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, that'll be fun. Uh, all right, next. Um, next question. We have about 13 minutes left. I don't think we're going to have time for any more questions, so probably no need to submit any additional questions. You can always ask us on our Twitter feeds at OpenArgs and at Muller, she wrote. I'm happy to answer those questions. You can also find me at Allison Gill on Twitter yep. uh, as well. Secret, if, if you head over to patreon.com slash aisle45pod, um, that's the, because we just, you know, we haven't launched the show yet. They're the fewest number of people there, highest likelihood percentage-wise of uh, getting your question noticed, so. Yeah, and we've also released like preliminary logos and preliminary music. We've got a little a ditty from They Might Be Giants. We're going to be putting on there tomorrow. Who have written a, a little song that uh, we might be using for our intro. I don't know, I, but I wrote I wrote an essay on Talking Points USA and recruiting fascists on college campus. Like we're giving away lots of free stuff there. So um, yeah, yeah, head on head on over, and uh, that's a that's a great place uh, to to get your question noticed if you're you know feeling lost in the crowd with uh, mm, the rest mm-hmm. of our social media feeds because you know mm-hmm. that happens and for people who are patrons currently of daily beans and muller she wrote the patreon for uh aisle 45 works a little different it's not per month it's per episode so just keep, be cognizant of that when you sign up yeah. i don't want you to be surprised it's still, uh, still super cheap we're gonna do you know once a week Oh, yeah, well, yeah, Andrew, I mean, our, yeah. our intro at Daily Beans is, is three bucks. You can get in on a buck over at this other place. So, yeah, it, it, it evens itself it's a out. Third, um, a third the price. No, wait. I just want to I just want to make sure everybody knows that um, because we don't have the customer service call center in place to field questions. Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> it's literally working just on, us. I'm, I'm working yeah. on offshoring that right now as we speak. Yeah, we are a super independent organization, uh, very small and very limited, and that is why your support matters so much to us. All right, let's get to this next question. Hi, so I actually just finished my first semester of law school. Um, So that was interesting during a pandemic and an insurrection and all that nonsense. Um, But I guess my question is kind of looking around and seeing all of these intelligent people you know, Ted Cruz is not an idiot. Seeing all these people go on and say the most outlandish things and do things that they know are going to cause hurt in this world and specifically in the U.S. Um, how can I, like, maintain a positive outlook uh, for my future career? And, um, you know, I don't want to ever be associated with anything like that. So how do you kind of keep a, a level head and... Um, kind of have hope for the future, knowing how many lawyers go on to do such horrible things. Um, you know, Rudy Giuliani, just everyone. Uh, I'm just looking for some encouragement, help. I, I know what you feel, wow. and, and, I, and I, Andrew, I, I want you to answer the lawyer part. I can answer as a veteran. Seeing how many of these insurrectionists are veterans, uh, police officers, fire department uh, personnel, teachers, doctors, lawmakers, the West Virginia lawmaker, but mostly veterans. It absolutely breaks my heart. Uh, But uh, the best I can say to you is just keep in mind that that is such a small, small fraction of of the people uh, in any particular group. Um, And 
you know, uh, my philosophy has always been work hard, be kind, be on the right side of history and amazing things will happen. That's all I have to say about that. I, I love all of that. Um, I, I, I want to give you my, my standard congratulations on um, getting through your, your uh, first semester in law school. And, um, you know, if there's one thing the world needs right now, it is more lawyers. So I'm a huge fan. Um, I, I, I get, <laughs> you are exactly correct. Ted Cruz was the year ahead of me at law school. Um, he, he, is, <laughs> he, is, he is a smart, oh yeah, he is a smart person. He does not believe the idiotic shit that he is saying. The reason he says that is because Ted Cruz cares more about Ted Cruz than he does about the United States of America, right? And, and what he is trying to do is carve a niche for himself on the extreme right because he thinks he was the second to the last person standing in 2016 and he's been kissing ass to Trump for four years. So therefore he is gonna be the recipient of all of those Trump voters. He is in for a rude awakening uh, in several years, but we are stuck uh, with with Ted Cruz's posturing um, until he learns that lesson. Um, hopefully we can kick him out of the Senate. I would still say that that's an incredible long shot right now. Um, but uh, it, it you have hit on the question that I want to continue to repeat that I think we're probably going to talk about every single episode of the show uh, from, from now until time immemorial. Um, and that is, uh, how do we move forward as a society in which so many of us lack the crucial ability to distinguish truth from falsehood, right? It's it's the number one issue. I started giving a TED talk after the uh, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists came out in the beginning of, of uh, 2020. We're, we're, we're just about due for an update, I think in a couple of days. Um, and the, uh, the editor-in-chief, um, uh, John Mecklin, uh, basically said, um, you know, they were moving the doomsday clock to uh, the shortest it's ever been, right? 100 seconds to midnight as the metaphor for uh, world-ending catastrophe. And their reason for doing so was essentially the dismantlement of the institutions necessary to help guide us in distinguishing fact from fiction. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a truly horrifying world that we're in. So there's no easy answers for that. All we can continue to do is like keep asking the questions and keep pushing. And, you know, I think we, we saw an easy way to push back from that uh, based off of the insurrection, right? Like, because when you ask the Trumpers, right, that the Alex Joneses, the core Trumpers, their, their justification for this is, oh, it was all secret Antifa spies um, that, you know, dressed up as Trump. And, and that's so fucking stupid that most Trumpers have just sort of had to have been reduced to like, yeah, well, I, I don't want to talk about it right now. And, and, and you know, I, it, it gives me some hope that we can push these people to the point where their, their contradictions are too much even for them to stomach. But, um, but I, I did want to highlight that I think you're asking the right question. So. Yeah, we are definitely going to have to recover from that. And we, we, I, we can seek the help of other countries who have been bombarded with disinformation on yeah. how they got out of it, like Ukraine, for example. Um, had to deal with it for decades. Uh, all right, we've got a few minutes left. Andrew, do you want to hit the next question? Sure. Hi, my name is David from Charlotte. I just saw a case today called In Re De Pew from 1869, where Grant rescinded a pardon from President Johnson because it had not yet been delivered. 
Does this in any way apply if Trump pardon blanket pardons the insurrectionist, but those pardons have not yet been delivered or accepted by the insurrectionists? Oh, love love the question. The answer is no. <laughs> Very good question, though. Yeah. No, a lot of people are looking for ways to try and undo Trump pardons. Um, and, you know, because we're short on time here, I'm, I'm not going to go through all of it. But, but the answer is you should be prepared for these Trump pardons to stand no matter how corrupt. Uh, and you should be prepared for there to be no way to undo them uh, because, generally speaking, there isn't. Yep. And the only way to undo a pardon, uh, hypothetically speaking, because we have no real precedent for it, is to go ahead and indict people and then challenge it in court. Uh, we may have see a little bit of, of uh, something different with this insurrection. However, it would have to come to uh, an indictment from Biden's Department of Justice, which could appear political. However, like you said, Andrew, there's a big difference between last week and this week. All right. Uh, let's uh, let me hit the next question. Sound good, Andrew? Andrew? Can you hear me, Andrew? Maybe it's me this time. All right, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and hit the next question. We've got about 4 minutes right. left. Hello, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, I'm going to hit the next question. Here we go. So it seems like there's a new metal detector set up outside the uh congressional hearing uh this evening and some congress people are choosing to walk around it um on twitter it said that louis gomert that said you can't stop me i'm on my way to a vote um, <laughs> do we really not have any power to to wand down the congressman that uh swears she's going to carry a gun into the capitol yeah, I heard uh, something on Twitter too, where Bobert was that her name? You know the one who's yeah, going to carry a, gl- a Glock yeah, Lauren, to the yeah, Lauren, Lauren Bobert. Bobert. Uh, that's, that's a, a, apparently, they stopped her, and there was a standoff, and I didn't hear anything past that. Did she actually make it inside without having her stuff searched? Because I heard she was stopped. I I have no idea. At the end of the day, there are two answers to this question. The the first is, as always. We don't know because we've never had, uh, you know, a sedition caucus in Congress before uh, that was, you know, dying to uh, break the law. Um, but but in terms of who's going to blink first, my guess is that um, the Capitol Police would blink first. And the reason from that is sort of a longstanding tradition of legislative immunity um, that uh, when you are each and debate floor, class. Yeah, when you are on the floor of Congress or you are, uh, it was always explained to me in law school, um, you know, if if you're driving to cast a vote, right, not only can you drive 130 miles an hour, but, you know, if you run somebody over, you can't be stopped if you're a, a member of Congress on the way to the vote. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I would like not to put that to the test. Um, and mm. I suspect so would uh, so would members of, of the Capitol Police. Now, look. Um, that's different than complying, you know, as you are walking through the gates, right? So I don't mean to suggest that it's a perfect analogy, um, but if you're looking to, you know, sort of pattern and practice to guide behavior, um, you know, these, you know, tin hat cowboys are, are going to be able to stare down civil servants for a while until we get some guidance. Uh, but the nice now, part is, again, right, 
House can set its own rules. And believe yeah, well, me, yeah. I was just gonna I was just gonna say that, Andrew, because I believe the House set a rule today that they could be fined a thousand dollars for not wearing a mask on the floor of the House. So I'm assuming the same could be done for people who refuse the search or to go through the uh, metal detector. You can set a rule that says we will fine you a thousand dollars. It'll be taken out of your pay if you refuse to do that. Enjoy your day. Yeah, and and expel you from the floor and require you to come back in. Yeah, we could we could do all sorts of things, and I would like to see. You know, it's another nice uh, aspect of having retaken the Senate is that now Democrats can pass the rules, so uh, mm-hmm. we can have uniform rules on wearing a mask, not carrying a loaded firearm. You know, what <laughs> what do we have to have next? Like, don't bring bottles of plague with you to unleash his bioweapons on the floor. Like. I, don't don't are... poop don't poop on your desk. Yeah, you know, very common thing that <laughs> yeah. might be. Uh, all right, we have one more? Uh, It is just now six. I think we can do one more. Uh, we're down yeah. to eight. We got to most of the questions, and I sincerely apologize for not getting to your question. We've just had so many um, people come and join us. Say thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and again, we will answer your questions on Twitter, on our Twitter feeds, on our Patreon. And, uh, you know, you can also submit questions. Maybe, maybe Andrew, maybe we have a level of, of contribution where we answer your questions on the new podcast that starts on January 20th. But let's take one more. I'll hit play, okay? Yep. Hey, hey guys. Longtime fan of the Molly World podcast and Daily Beans podcast. I harken back from the old uh, kitchen days. Aha. But my question is, um, this past four years have been rife with corruption and obstruction. And with people like Pompeo, Trump, and the rest that have committed crimes over these past four years, do how does the litigation work? Do does Biden inherit like all of the things that um, all of these like cases that have still been open or in the process of being closed, or like what happens now that um, they're changing administrations in regards to some of the legal challenges that have been made? For example. Um, like McCabe's challenge or um, what's his name? Uh, like McCabe's challenge or uh, the one against um, Don McGann. Yep, yep, I knew it. Uh, yeah, and, and very good question. And thank you for being a listener back in the kitchen days when we were calling him Mueller. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I'm going to take a stab at this. Andrew, you correct me if I'm wrong. But I think that... Um, Oh my gosh, I just completely lost my train of thought. Andrew, you take it. <laughs> so um, the answers are as follows. Open investigations, cases, whatever, are just handed over, right? It's the same oh, Department yes, yes, of yes, Justice. Yes. Yep. So like in the Southern District of New York, for example, if they've been sitting on some cases and waiting until the new administration, which I kind of suspect they might have been, the new U.S. Attorney General, whoever that is going to be, in the Southern District of New York will be read in on all of the cases that are pending, right? And then they will decide if they are going to continue investigating them or close them. Is that right? That is that is right. And I want to add that unless there is an explicit agreement to the contrary, right? In writing as a non-prosecution or deferred prosecution agreement, um, the fact that Bill Barr may have sent down a memo that says, hey, uh, don't charge Roger Stone with X, Y, or Z, uh, uh, just picking a name. That could be anyone, but just picking a name at random. Um, 
that is something those that prosecutorial discretion that we've heard so much about uh, under Trump, um, that gate swings both ways, right? Prosecutors can change their minds. And so uh, as away, long yeah. as the government has not explicitly promised in writing not to not to indict you, um, then uh, a new DOJ could take a fresh look at those facts and talk to the line prosecutors and say, oh, look, turns out there's some things that uh, there's some unfinished business here after all. Yep. And uh, I happen to think that um, I, I think they'll go forward with them. Uh, and that is one of the things that we're going to be covering on cleanup on L45, which, which cases are picked up, which are revived, uh, which ones are maybe they convene in new grand jury in some of these uh, and, and this is nationwide too you have to remember these u.s attorney's offices what are there 90 something of them 93 across the country uh, and and we'll see we'll see what happens hey andrew question for you what's going on with why they haven't announced the house intelligence committee chair it's adam schiff it's always it's been not always been it's been adam schiff for a while is he being considered for something else because i thought maybe attorney general maybe taking Kamala's Senate seat, um, but those have been filled. So why haven't, why hasn't Nancy, maybe she might be busy, but why hasn't she announced uh, <laughs> an intelligence committee chair? Uh, or why hasn't she announced Adam Schiff as the intelligence committee chair? Could he be up for attorney general in California? I don't know. What do you think? It, it, your supposition. So the answer is, I don't know. Uh, I have had the same <laughs> thoughts that you did, right? Like literally that, that, that omission is conspicuous um and it, even if you were to think something like so for example he could simultaneously serve as speaker of the house and chair of the senate intelligence committee right like it is or um, a special counsel to investigate or yeah. uh, head the commission on the trump crimes commission or something uh yeah. and, and still also be the intelligence committee chair so it's just weird yeah yeah it it, it is and the only thing i can think is that um, that this this some uh, unfilled cabinet level position, something that would require him giving up his seat that he's considering right now. But um, but those are, you know, sort of rapidly diminishing. Um, I could maybe a federal judgeship. Uh, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, maybe he's going to replace but, uh, Merrick Garland on the D.C. Circuit Court. Of, I don't know. He, I I feel like they should pick from within. I don't yeah. disagree, and and they usually do, right? Usually yeah. that you know you sort of work your way up from uh, uh, from being on DDC, and I I can think, I mean, th there are a lot of great candidates on the bench uh, in in the uh, U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, right? Uh, maybe Amy Berman Jackson. Um, I you know but, there are a lot. Oh of, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, or so. Beryl Hall. But even then, I mean, you would still name him the intelligence chair and then go on from there. But I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird to me. It's weird. Nancy agree, Pelosi, if you're listening, Nancy, if you're listening, <laughs> please, please appoint uh, a chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. I would appreciate it. I really want to know who's in charge of that, because it's going to be a very consequential position in the coming year. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think we are out of time, but uh, I, this has been uh, super great. And thanks to everyone who is here. Uh, please follow me at Muller She Wrote on Twitter or at Allison Gill. You can also follow us at Daily Beans Pod. And uh, of course, we have the new 
at aisle 45 pod which is a-i-s-l-e 45 pod and uh I, I i'm really looking forward to this show i think following the the department of justice and the repair and the rebuilding that is going to have to take place in order to refill that reservoir of trust that we talk about so much is going to be significant and it's going to be important and and it's also not just up to them it's going to be up to us it is our democracy and we are going to have to have a voice in this and that is one of the reasons that i wanted to start this show Un- i unbelievably well said so i'll just say here here <laughs> thank you i'm going to pour a, a glass of wine then since we're done and everyone else i Ooh. recommend you the same unless you are not drinking in which case have a popsicle or something. They're delicious. Uh, <laughs> uh, until next time, do, uh, where can they find you on Twitter, sir? Yeah, look for at OpenArgs, O-P-E-N-A-R-G-S. And uh, Opening Arguments podcast drops Tuesdays and Fridays. That's a law first, politi- you know, politics second kind of show. Um, and if you're a fan of, of Opening Arguments, uh, I, I think the way to think about what uh, AG and I are doing is this is going to be a politics first, law second kind of show. So um, way to or way we're going to gonna be competing. We're going to be competing for is, is is today law or is today politics? But because this is Biden's <laughs> Department of Justice, I think that we cannot separate the two, and it's going to be yeah. extremely important going forward. As uh, um, in the book on tyranny, Dr. Timothy Snyder said in, in number two of the twenty ways to stop tyranny. Number two is find and support an institution. And we have decided to to support and discuss and defend the Department of Justice and the intelligence community. And that's what I think it's incredibly important to help strengthen our democracy. And all of y'all are a huge, huge part of that. And I can't thank you enough. I have nothing to add to that. I agree with that 100%. <laughs> here, here again. Ditto, as, it, as they say in Ghost. All right. <laughs> Mega, uh, Megan, uh, dittos to you, AG. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you all next week. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this inauguration. And uh, Godspeed to the men and women of law enforcement and our democracy in the next eight days. All right. Uh, thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.